Welcome to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. I'm your host, Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a Bible teacher, a coach, and I'm obsessed with helping women take their place in the kingdom and use their God-given gifts. At Go and Tell Gals, we equip and encourage women with different tools like our Map to More guide, our group coaching program, Go Teams, and even by training other women as coaches through our licensing program. Whether you're a college student, a stay-at-home mom, a small business owner, an astronaut, or a veterinarian, our goal is that you lead this episode feeling more empowered to do what God has called you to do. We're so glad you're here and we're on your team. Let's jump into this week's episode. Okay, friends, you love her. I love her. It's the one episode a year, maybe one out of three, maybe I'll give you two to three a year where I share her with you and say, (laughs) my mom gets to be your mom for this podcast episode only. We joke about it privately. I do have a godly jealousy for you (laughs) and your time. The thing is, when you know your mom's the best and when you know she's great, you should say like, well, I just want to share with everyone else and bless everyone else. But sometimes you're like, I don't know. She's my mom, guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's the one out of maybe three episodes a year. I'll let you guys in on this beautiful secret that is my mom, Deb Popper. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. (laughs) Thanks for sharing me. (laughs) Like, well, she can start her own podcast and you guys can listen to her there, but... I like to keep my boundary lines pretty clear. <laughs> I'm so glad you're coming clean. <laughs> we always laugh that all my friends are always like, I feel like your mom's my mom and I'll smile and nod. And then I'm like, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I do see your eyes dart open. <laughs> um, everybody at our church, mom and I have this distinct huge pleasure in this season of going to church together, leading together. But everybody always calls mom, mama, Deb. And I'm always like, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) So my Enneagram shows just a little bit. Deb Hopper, thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me. On this momentous occasion, which is not only Mother's Day, but also the hallowed time of year where we celebrate your birth. Yes, it does all come together. It all comes together. We take it too far for about a week. Yes, I can't wait. This is the first time that we've had you on the podcast that we've been able to talk about the thing, the thing that has been pulsing in the background of your faith, your calling for the last year or more now. (gasps) You signed a book deal. The book, yes. Okay, I want you to tell the story in your words and then I'll add in things that I want to make sure people hear. Okay. Well, I did start writing in my 30s. Yeah. I got a couple of rejection notes, and I quickly put that passion aside and thought, you know, that's not for me. And quite honestly, in the 80s, there weren't many resources or coaches or people to show you how to write or how to get published. So as a single mom, it wasn't a priority, and I just continued to write in my journals. But during 2020, the the year everything changed. Yeah, Jess, who all of you know, is an incredible coach and champion to all, started talking to our family about writing more. And specifically, she nudged me and said, you need to write. I know you've got a book in you. And I said, well, actually, I do have a couple, but I don't really know how to start. 
So mm-hmm. she guided me on the process, helped me find a writing coach, first of all, to start putting a proposal down. And then she encouraged me with other people to put around my path, you know, to find an agent. And from there, God really has ordained the steps of this book deal. So I'm very excited. It's been really beautiful to watch. I mean, because, well, first of all, the first thing I want to say is people are always like, oh, it's sweet. Like your mom's getting into writing. I'm like, no, I'm a writer because my mom is a writer. I'm a writer because I watched her like before there were laptops, just writing my whole life. And so number one, like this is a really long time coming and also seemingly right on time too at the same time. But I feel like I've seen you trust God so much through this process and also wrestle through your own content of the book as much as you can without giving away because also, you're in the thick of book writing. You have right. like a month and a half-ish left right. to turn in a manuscript, turn in. but you're soaring, writing really fast. Yes, I'm, I'm close. I'm yeah. really close to yeah. having it finished. But, well, yeah, will you just talk about the content and even like what it's been like to press through with God in this? Mm. Well, the content is on prayer, and it was an easy first thing for me to write because in my 30s, God gave me this model through a friend who nudged me to get out of some pits that I was in, the model of Ask, Seek, and Knock from Matthew 7, 7. And I've used Ask, Seek, and Knock as a model of prayer ever since then. But of course, my prayer life has evolved or changed or gotten different. But I keep going back to those early days and the ways that God answered my prayers and the way He showed up for me that were so life-changing. And I've used it in ministry. I've used it one-on-one with people over the last 20 years to be able to say, yes, God answers our prayers. And yes, it's simple. It's not difficult. So I knew that that was the first thing I needed to write. I knew that God would be blessed and honored to have more people praying. and. When I polled people on Instagram, I heard the same things. They either said they're too busy or they think it's too complicated to pray or they're not sure God answers prayers. So those are the three things that have been my driving force behind why writing a book on prayer. Because there are a lot of books on prayer out there. There are tons. There's hundreds. But I felt that's my why. That's the reason why. And, yeah. and the people that I'm writing to are anybody in those categories that just need to know a simple model. They need to know that you can do it anywhere, anytime. You don't have to have hours of time yeah. to pray and that God does answer prayers. Yeah. So. Well, man, it is the testimony of your life because you've prayed everyone in our family out of some pits Mm-hmm. of hell <laughs> and, yes. and the way you go after God for our family has absolutely changed the world. God sees it to change the world and to change the way we pray. So it's just, it's absolutely the best first book I think for you to write, but I can't wait for even more. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to just flow after this one. You're so kind. It's good for me to write it too, because you know, in our spiritual life or our prayer life or just our time with God, there's always ebbs and flows in that intimacy with God. And I felt like I needed a reboot. Yeah, And going back through my journals, asking God, like, where did you show up? Remind me 
the times, the many hundreds of times that he's answered prayers. And going back to those early days when it was just me and him has been renewing for me. So it's Mm. been a great journey. Okay, let's dig into motherhood. We're talking today a little bit about spiritual motherhood and maybe in a way that you guys may have heard talk about it or not. I feel like we've actually had a podcast episode or two on spiritual motherhood. I'm remembering one with Cheryl Luke. You have definitely been on to talk about motherhood. Mm-hmm. But in our relationship, in our core family relationship, I would say something that I'm known for is asking you very big nebulous questions. So I have one to start today that I don't think I've ever asked you. And that is, did you feel called to motherhood? Like when you were growing up, did you feel called to it? Did you dream about motherhood in general? I got to say no. Yeah. I I am not a kid person at heart. I mean, I love our kids. I love grandkids. I love children in general, but I'm not a children person like some people are. Yeah. So I don't remember ever feeling that as a child, like dreaming about my children. Yeah. I know that sounds foreign and probably sacrilegious to say. Well, I asked because I didn't either. And so I had this gut feeling that maybe you didn't either. No. And I feel like for sure this many years in motherhood for me, 15 years in for me, 38 in for you, 39, 40, 40, 40. I don't care anymore. I'm not ashamed that I didn't dream about it. Okay. I think I'm like, I'm the mom I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So I don't think, I think it's okay that I didn't grow up like dreaming about it. And in some ways it's freed me up because I feel like for the most part, especially after the first few years, I've been able to kind of throw off any perspective of what motherhood should like look like because I didn't dream about it. Yeah, you that's know? good. That's really good. Okay, then my second follow-up nebulous question is, did you feel maternal before having kids? Not until I was pregnant. Yeah. Now, I will say I yearned for... Yeah. It took me three years to get pregnant with Katie. I thought maybe there was something wrong. We didn't pursue infertility studies, but I mainly felt called to family. Yeah. You know, I did grow up with a, a really strong sense of family and cousins and extended family. And so I knew that I wanted to be part of a family. I wanted a family Mm -hmm. that I could shape and be shaped by. Yeah. But, but, of course, once I was pregnant, I felt maternal. Yeah. Of course, you you have a life grown inside of you and you and then you watch God create this being that came from your your gene pool. Yeah. So, it's hard not I mean, some people may not even feel that, but yeah. But yes, I felt maternal from the time I was pregnant and on. Yeah. And a protectiveness, a yeah. care over all of you and a desire to see you be all that you could be. Well, I ask that because even making the parallel to spiritual motherhood, I feel like when we talk about spiritual motherhood, let me just throw out what I think a lot of people might assume. I think they might picture some very like discipleship oriented, maternal-esque shepherding, like long haul discipleship, like come into my house and like, we're going to talk for years and years and years. And I even want to just Because we've talked about spiritual motherhood in the past, I want to even just add a new layer to it, which is I do think there are women like you and I who really engage in spiritual motherhood, but it's more by creating systems and empowering leaders. At least that's what I would say I see in your life. 
Like, does that feel true to you? Yes, it does. And, you know, as you're asking me these questions, I'm going back thinking about my teens and my early 20s before I had children. I think because the call of God was on my life, and I don't say that, you know, mildly, but I felt called at at 15, 16, and I really thought I would be a missionary. I thought I was going to be a Lottie Moon serving overseas until that shifted. And so I think that call is more the mothering that I'm called to, Mm. the spiritual mothering, because I do care about people's souls. I do care about how they follow after Jesus. Yeah. So, yes. And because I'm an Enneagram 3, I love systems and processes. It's always easier to, you know, form systems and processes that will work. Yeah. You know, to be able to lead more people than just all one-on-one. I love one-on-one discipling or spiritual mothering, but I also really can appreciate a good leader. Yeah. You know, growing up a leader can then lead more people. But I would say it's always easier for you because that's what you're gifted at. That's how I'm wired. Yeah. A few years ago, I had someone in our church, which this might sound like a little bit like an accusation, but it didn't feel that way. It actually felt like really loving. But I had someone in our church come to me and say like, hey, what can I expect from you as my pastor slash pastor's wife? Like, I can't really figure out what you are. And I was like, real me either. I don't, (laughs) I'm not sure either. (laughs) She said, what can I expect from you? What can I expect from you? And, And just to even give a little hindsight, a little insight to that situation. She was going away. She was leaving for a season and there had been like an expectation that I was going to host a going away party. And so she was like, you know, can I expect this from you? I said, let me think on it. I said, let me think on that. I said, that's a great question. I appreciate that you're asking me that because there's so many different forms of Oh, at the time I didn't say this, but what I thought was spiritual motherhood. Yeah. Like there's so many different types of females leading and pastoring mm-hmm. and shepherding, whatever language or verbiage you use. I wanted to be able to answer that. And at the time I had kind of started to feel like I was falling short because I didn't have women in their twenties and their thirties always in my home. Right. And that is what I had always pictured. Like, yeah. this is what I should be doing. But it just so happens that the age of our church coinciding with the age of my kids is like, it is not good physical mothering for me to have people inside my house yeah. all the time. And I went through a season, even in the early years of our church, where you lived through this with me and really counseled me out of it. But I would always invite people. I was like discipling or shepherding to my kids' sporting events or like come to the basketball game with me or come to the soccer right. practice or come to this. And then I realized like I was missing my kids scoring goals because right. of college girl was like pouring out her heart to me and I had caused that. And so I think you were one of the ones who were like, cut this off. Like have parts of your family that are just your family, you know? And so I was like, okay, that gal asked me like, what can I expect from you? And I said, I'm going to really think on it and I'm going to get back to you. And then like 30 seconds later, I had an answer and I was like, hold on. I know the answer. And I said, I think what you can expect from me is that my specific role at Bright City at that time was to lead our staff. And so I said, I think what you can expect from me is to lead a staff and to empower that staff. And someone in that staff is going to empower someone else to have a going away party. I think if you're expecting me to be the person hosting it, 
I'm probably not your girl. Yeah. You know, number one, I'm not great at hosting. That's not my spiritual gift. Like number two, I've got these four kids, three of which are teenagers. It's not Uh a great fit for me. And she was like, okay, thanks for telling me. Like, that's what I needed to know. So I just wanted to like talk about it from that. What is spiritual mothering, leading, pastoring? Those are words you and I are comfortable with, but everybody else may feel like they're just like a sweater they don't know how to put on quite yet. What does it look like in this season? And will you share a little bit about what it's looked like in past seasons? Like, I want you to talk about Chosen, if you're willing. Yeah, sure. Well, I was on staff at a mega church for 10 years as the women's pastor, women's director. And at a mega church, it was very hard or difficult to do much one-on-one. So I realized early on that I needed to mobilize some leaders, some coaches, And to grow up and pour into them, similar to how you're saying your job is to pour into the staff, that was my role. And create some environments where lots of women could come in the door, could come in and experience something new or fresh, but then quickly find ways for them to connect in smaller groups or smaller settings. So all of my discipling and teaching or pouring out time was really spent with the leaders and the coaches. Mm -hmm. In this season, it's a little bit different in that I have more availability because I'm, quote unquote, retired, not working full time and just serving as a volunteer. So I try to make myself available. I'm meeting with one young woman today. I'm meeting with another one next week just to have one-on-one time. But I also still really enjoy the group settings like we did last night. Yeah. So, yeah. The chosen thing I want you to talk about because I just happened to be on the couch when you like had your laptop open. This was, this would have been what? 2015, 14, 11. (gasps) You were visiting from out of town. Yeah. 2011. Yeah. I know that because I just wrote about it in the book. Wow. Women's conferences were not a thing. They were just like mega, mega, mega churches maybe had them. Yes. They weren't a thing like they are now. Mm -hmm. And we were just sitting on a couch I was visiting and I just watched you birth this movement that is now like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of women have gotten to sit under this tree that you planted Mm -hmm. and experience God, experience a move of God. And I don't know. I just, that's the kind of stuff I think about when I think about spiritual motherhood that I'm like, no one will ever see you on that sofa except for me. I got to see it (laughs) like with your laptop open saying like, What if we call it chosen? Yeah. You know? That was a sweet God moment. There was a team of about 10 of us who were dreaming, 10 of the staff, and we were dreaming about a conference. We had actually been to one that was similar, a women's conference, and gotten the vision and then gotten the approval to move forward with it. So we had met three or four times around the vision of what women that we served needed come up with a name, and we, we couldn't. We had thrown up every adjective on the whiteboards until that night on the couch, you and I Mm -hmm. were sitting there and I opened my Bible to Mm -hmm. Isaiah 60 Mm -hmm. and I was like, it's chosen. Mm -hmm. Women want to know that they need to know that they're chosen. I need to know that. I need that repeated over my life. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's when it was birthed and it's started in 2012. And so it's 10 years. Yeah. This year, the conference is 
ongoing. That's beautiful. And also in 2012, I started my first women's conference and I told you I had like a massive aha moment that in 2012 was when I started the influence conference that led to the influence network that then birthed a lot of other dreams that eventually led to go and tell gals. I was like a year or two into hosting the conference when I was like, I am just trying to be my mom. <laughs> like it, no. I, it, it wasn't like it dawned on me. It, it was after the fact. And I was like, I'm really just doing what she did and like trying to copy a base. And I'm glad for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and another reason we moved towards the conference is in a large church like that. We couldn't do women's retreats. Yeah. We couldn't do getaways. And I think, you know, the value of that for us as women is having time away, whether it's in your own city or whether it's three or four hours away, but having a couple of days away with other women to hear from God and process it together and I know that that's been valuable to me. I had, yeah. I used to go to Joyce Meyer conventions and yes. Beth Moore conferences yes. all over the state. I would travel with girlfriends because that would revive my soul yeah. and that would feed me for the, the next few months, you know, just time to, to hear what he had to say to me. So. That's mm. the value of those. So good. You're not copying me. You're just I am, leading I, people to him. I don't, I feel, I'm unashamed about it now. I'm just trying to do my best Deb Hopper impression every day of my life. That's what I tell everybody. Okay. Now, lastly, I want you to talk about this season of motherhood. Nick and I, Nick is really good about always asking me like, hey, what are you excited about? What are you excited about? And full disclosure, I'm in just, you know this, I'm just in this super dry season. And so I'm like... I don't know. I don't know that I'm excited about anything for the rest of the year. <laughs> I just, I'm just tired. I need a break. I'll be better after summer. Everything will be fine. But when he really presses me, he's like, no, what are you excited about? I'm like, I'm excited about being 60. So my mom <laughs> is thriving. <laughs> and I'm really excited about creating kids. Yeah. And I'm really excited. I'm like tearing up talking about it. I'm like, I can't wait to be 65. Yeah. It looks awesome. So can you just talk about this season and all of it, the physical motherhood, the spiritual motherhood, all of it, what it looks like? Yeah, it is better than I could have ever imagined. I will say that. And and I don't mean that to have anyone be jealous or to covet what I have, but (laughs) I'm telling you, it's it's beautiful. And I worked from the time I was 14. I was full-time at 17 through college, never imagined not working full-time. I really thought I would work full-time until I was 85 and then just dropped. (laughs) But God made a way and we've been, had amazing provision and it's beautiful. It's really beautiful to be able to dip your toe into a lot of waters. Now, I will say what I'm excited about, we were looking at some charts last night in a group about journeys and seasons. And I there's a season towards the end. It's called the afterglow. Afterglow. The afterglow season. This is from John Mark Comer's teaching. Yeah. And I look forward to that because yeah. in the afterglow, he describes that you are the wise one. You're the one that's not cranky. Yeah. That everyone just wants to come to for wisdom. Yeah. I feel like I'm still a little bit in the cranky stage, you, you know, are not. and well, are not. 
But the stage before the afterglow is fateful and fruitful. Fateful and fruitful. Which is 100% where you are. But I feel like you are coasting to the afterglow. Well, maybe. But I look forward to that because, you know, God willing, I'll have enough transformations by then that I won't be cranky and tired or stressed. Well, there's, there's still times that I find myself, you know, operating not in my gifts or in my stretch areas. Yeah. And I'm like, haven't I learned this? You know, <laughs> can I, can I break free of this? So yeah. I just look forward to shaking off more. I do think that in this season, what I've noticed is you do shake off a lot of things that used to be important. Yeah. And as much as I want to like tap each one of you girls and say, let it go, yeah. let go of the laundry, let go of the meal planning. Yeah. You know, order out when you can. Right. Make peanut butter sandwiches when you can't. Yeah. I also just know that that's not the time for that. Yeah. And so, but it is really nice that some of that like sloughs off of you in the years. Yeah, it does. I was telling a friend of ours yesterday and she's in a really similar life stage to me. She has teenagers. So she's in her late thirties, almost forties. And we were just saying, it's really interesting. One thing about Bright City is fairly, our church is fairly age diverse minus we don't have a lot of people in their faithful and fruitful season. And we're praying them in. We got a lot of people in their twenties, got a lot of people in their thirties, got a few people in their forties, but we're predominantly surrounded by people in their like early thirties, late twenties. Anyway, she was just saying like, what is wrong with me that I'm like, and I was like, nothing's wrong with you. We're just in our late thirties and we're cranking it out and we have teenagers and we're like in this intense building season in our callings and in our families. And it's exhausting, you know? And I think I'm learning as I watch you, like not only am I learning to like take your wisdom and take your advice, Ask for advice and take the advice of wise women in your life, even if they're not your mom. But you do have to ask for advice. Yeah. And I do have to go to you and say, like, can you tell me about this? What should I do about this? And it doesn't always feel great. Like, you know, like it doesn't always feel great for you to say, like, drop that, you know? And sometimes it takes you telling me three times until I'm like, okay, okay, I got it. I'm dropping it. So if I could encourage anyone listening, I would say go to those women in the faithful and fruitful and afterglow seasons and know that it is beautiful to be humble in front of them and say, what do I not know about this? You know, there's something about watching you in this season that also just gives me a lot of grace for, for my season to say like, some of this is just, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get to another space. If I press on, if I keep following Jesus, if I keep repenting and praying and I don't know, you just, you make me feel so hopeful about what it looks Mm -hmm. like to keep following God. It is great. And give yourself grace for the times that, you know, that you don't get it right. Yeah. Just have a lot more grace on yourself. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. I'll give a funny example. We're keeping our one and a half year old granddaughter this week. And this morning for breakfast, I was so excited because I had bought her a little cup of Fruit Loops. I never buy those, but I thought every child loves Fruit Loops. And I'll put it on her tray. I put it in the cup first and she shook her head no. And so then I, I poured them out on the tray. She swiped that tray oh and every one of those 100 Fruit Loops <laughs> went on the floor. And I just bust out laughing. I was like, I love it. Your mom is right. You do have preferences yes. and it's not Fruit Loops. No. But I promise you, if that happened in my 30s yeah. with y'all, yeah. there would have been a lot of screaming, yeah. gnashing of teeth, yeah. and maybe 
a hand swiped across. The, the <laughs> and like probably shame. She probably felt yes. shame of like, oh, why did I even try? Why did I waste my money? Right. What's wrong so, with me? She's so willful. <laughs> so I promise in in yeah. your 60s, it'll just seem a lot funnier. Yeah. It's that's not, good. you won't take yourself as seriously, but if you can do that now, please do. Yeah. If you can, that's so good. Okay. I'm so grateful for you. It makes me know I need to share you more because everybody doesn't have access to wisdom like this. So I'm going to do a better job. I commit. No, <laughs> no you're great. You're Make sure you guys are following mom on Instagram. Debhopper.me. Is that right? Is your website? It's website. Yeah. Uh-huh. Debhopper.me. Absolutely go there. Sign up to get information about the book as it comes out. Yeah. You're giving away such good content there, but we're just so grateful for you. Thanks for being faithful and fruitful. Thank you for coaching your mom. (laughs) Love you. Love you. You are listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. You can find us at goandtellgals.com online or go and tell gals on Instagram or Facebook. We would be so honored if you had a minute to leave a review wherever you've listened to this episode, share it with your friends and let us know that you're listening. We're so grateful for you. God is mighty in you.